Is investment something that's always been on your mind, but you don't quite know how to get started on that journey? We are here to set you on the right course. Welcome to My Cashflow Academy's Investor's Corner with your host, Athena Paquette Cornier. We are all about getting out of the rat race through creating positive passive income through real estate investing. Here you'll hear from regular people just like you and the professionals who support us towards greater wealth. Learn before you earn, move from analysis to action, and find the right path to attaining the success that you've always dreamed of for yourself. Now, here's your host, Athena. Welcome to My Cashflow Academy's podcast, where we introduce you to people who have gotten out of the rat race, become financially free, and the businesses that support them in expanding their wealth. So my name is Athena Paquette, and today I am excited to introduce you to Amanda Holbrook, who's the VP of Business Development for Specialized Trust Services a company that helps you own real estate, notes, and other non-traditional assets in your IRA and other tax-deferred growth vehicles. So welcome, Amanda. For, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I know it's late where you are, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I've got the littles in bed. Hopefully okay. they stay there. <laughs> okay. okay, awesome. So I'd heard before that you could own real estate in your IRA, and that certainly has kind of become more popular in the last maybe 15 years, I guess. But I'd never heard things that you shared with me the other day about that a child could have real estate in their IRA or that they could even have an IRA and that you could partner with a child and their IRA. And that. And I guess, it, is it true you partner with your own daughter in, in acquisitions? I do. I do. Wow, that's awesome. We all practice what we preach around here. That's <laughs> not, awesome. Not that what I do matters, but yeah, I mean, we yeah. all have <laughs> That is awesome. So yeah, so why don't we just jump in and... Tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, kind of how you came to be into this business and about Specialized. And then tell us about IRA. what exactly is an IRA and why should we even care, <laughs> you know? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I know. A load of questions. Everyone that's tuned in, thank you. Appreciate the time and dedication and kudos yourself to self-educating and making a difference in your own financial future and your family's legacy and all that jazz. Amanda Holbrook. I'm VP of Business Development here at Specialized Trust Company. Been doing this in and around for 12 years. Gosh, I'm aging myself. I need to stop doing that. But yeah, I've been in around the block. I have a long history with starting this about 12 years ago with the, you know, one of the 900 pound gorillas in our industry where like most, I found a mentor. He's one of the founders of Specialized Trust, Edwin Kelly, who really showed me the ropes and the foundation of self-direction. And I mean, I just ran with it. And since then, I've done the six successful years as a senior portfolio advisor in the, the turnkey real estate industry. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So with that experience, kind of having both sides of the fence from the investment side and the passive custodial side, I saw there's a much needed demand to just apply the KISS method <laughs> to all of it, to keep it simple, for your everyday folks working with a multitude of different administrators and custodians throughout the time, I saw that there was a need for that. What is it? Staples easy button. Mm-hmm. Here we are going on, you know, what, five years now here at Specialized Trust Company as we are a passive custodian. I guess with that said, the insert uh, disclaimer, is that appropriate time? Yeah, now it's great. This is so entertaining. 
Go ahead with your disclaimer. Custodian, we do not recommend endorse any specific investment or investment sponsors. Educational purposes only. I'm not a CPA. I don't offer tax advice. I'm not an attorney. I don't offer legal advice. Again, educational purposes only. We do not recommend endorse any specific investment or investment sponsor. Ask me how many times I've said that in my career. I know. (laughs) I know. So we'll have to come back to some of that stuff that you said. But yeah, so you did turnkey. That's fascinating. So you did turnkey for like six years. And then discovered the self-directed IRA or the custodian business, I guess? Yeah. So, no, I knew that before I was oh. on the real estate side. So probably about 80% of my clients that I worked with personally were doing self-direction in some way, shape, or form. Okay. You know, I've always had the background, and that's always been my niche. Mm. Uh, like I said, I had a fantastic mentor, and one of those true things in business, you work with those that are like you and loyal, et cetera. So we kind of came back full circle um, and teamed up again here for Specialized Company. But I even share that with everyone listening to know I'm not just here standing on the soapbox of IRAs, IRAs, rah, rah, rah. Of course I am a little bit. Right. The well-roundedness of seeing the impact of the various different types of accounts, how you can partner accounts, leverage accounts for creating passive cash flow and taking control of your own retirement has mm. always been my secret ninja power. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, if you're going to have one, you know, I guess that's a good one to have. So why don't you just start us with the basics? Because I think people get a little confused about, you know, what's an IRA versus a 401k versus, I guess, SEP. There's all these words for retirement plans. So can you just walk us through which what they are, just briefly, but also which ones do you guys help with and what's your role with that? Sure, sure. And that's a great question. So I'm going to start very high level, which is what does self-directed mean? Okay. So I have clients tell me all the time, Athena, they'll even show me the screen and say, look, I have an account at XYZ Big Bank and it says it's self-directed right here. And that's not truly self-directed, okay? That forum means you get to pick your stocks, bonds, and mutual funds yourself, whether it's an IRA, Roth IRA, 401k, et cetera, okay? Whereas the types of accounts we do at Specialized are all truly self-directed that can hold what are considered in the financial industry non-traditional assets, such as real estate, okay? That's the way the revenue code is written. The banks and trust companies are not required to offer it as a selection or opportunity, but oh, interesting! they're not prohibited. Yeah, irs.com, IRA FAQs, you can fact check me there. But that's exactly where you can find it. So your question, what types of accounts can you self-direct? Mm. So the types of accounts that we have here, are, there's of course personal accounts, which are IRAs, Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs. For business owners, sometimes have SEPs or SIMPLES if they have W-2 employees. You also have the Roth Solo 401k, which is like the triple threat of entrepreneurial accounts. That's a a big one we'll circle back on. AKA, more acronyms, a QRP, Qualified Retirement Plan, is known as. Specialty accounts. I mean, everyone has health insurance these days, right? Right. Entrepreneurs are worried about their cash flow, so they opt for that higher deductible plan, so you got the lower premium, so they have an HSA, a health savings account. You can self-direct that. No kidding. You've got little kids. You can do a Coverdell educational savings account. You can self-direct that. 
And like you noted before, you know, you can partner these accounts together, you know, give yourself more buying power, you know, investing. I'm a big fan of saying investing is a family sport and I'm a total mom. So you guys will hear like some of my rhyming cliches. just ignore that. <laughs> it's just like mom of young children. <laughs> Remember from either a rhyme or an acronym. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so if you're common ones that I hear, it's like, I don't know if I can do that. Current employers 401k. All right. Typically to move that you either have to be 59 and a half or you're not working there anymore. Here's a great ninja tip, in-service rollover. That's a technical term, but a lot of 401k plans will allow you to roll over a percentage of your vested balance. Just past Veterans Day, for all of our military out there, servicemen members, we thank you. Typically, we'll have a TSP. It's called a thrift savings plan. You can self-direct that when you're no longer active. A lot in the medical field and teachers have 403Bs. Those are also qualified plans that you can self-direct. So it's just a matter if you're unsure, ask, mm. you know, ask. But typically we're a big fan and I know you're a big fan too, just being in control of your money, controlling yeah. your own freedom. And that's what self-direction really is. It's mm. Being in control and investing in what you know. I mean, unless all of us were becoming stockbrokers in the womb, I don't think we were all born knowing how to trade the stock market. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, and a lot of people just put money in and let it ride, right? So they're not self-directing. They're like putting it in and closing their eyes. So that's not the same person maybe that would do this probably. But so what kinds of things can you own in your self-directed IRA that maybe you can't so we're talking about real estate, but what other kinds of things do you know of or, or what things I've heard? Some things are just prohibited. You can't put that stuff in your IRA. So give us an idea of what we can and can't do with that. Sure. Quote, fact check me, IRC 4975 lists them all in black and white. I preach about here's what you invest in what you know. The IRS revenue code, which I encourage you if you're having trouble sleeping, please spell means replay. <laughs> You know, but I'm here to be the interpreter. And as that, a lot of it is very many shades of gray. You know, we're up for interpretation. However, it does list things in black and white that you can't do. Things like artwork. So no Picassos in your retirement account. Oh, I know. This is a fun one. Collectibles. So your stamp collection is out. Car guy. You know, you probably see somewhere around in this office, there's a picture of a car. Is a 57 Chevy a collectible? up for interpretation. There's that gray. Mm. So collectibles, you know, things like liquor, stock of subchapter S, life insurance. These are all things that are listed in black and white that cannot be done. Okay. Um, but outside of that, it's up to your creativity. Okay. Right? You know, so really, if you take any walk of life, you can really apply it to what you know. Real estate is a house, a roof over your head is one of the basic needs of a human being. So we all, whether we consider ourselves savvy real estate investors or not, all of us have experience in real estate in some way, shape, or form, right? So that's the easy one. I'll list some non-traditional ones that you may not have thought of. So foreign exchange currency, oil and gas, timber harvesting, clients that do cacao in Panama, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, you can do... If you've been in Ohio, if you've driven through Ohio, not a major city, you know there's a lot of corn and cows. Mm. You have crop harvesting, land leasing, equipment leasing, 
You can do entities, private companies. If anyone's ever researched or followed or read about PayPal, Peter Thiel, popular one. Yeah, we all probably have a PayPal account. Mm -hmm. That company, it was a private company, and he owned a couple of those shares in his Roth IRA. So when he sold that company, fascinating millions tax free. Wow. In his IRA, I mean, to production, I mean, anything you raise capital for, I'm sure you've heard of like the Blue Man Group. Yeah, oh yeah. That was with capital raised from IRAs to tax liens, wholesaling, rental properties, flips. One of my favorites is what's the tallest building in every pretty much Metroplex? Typically, if you had to guess, what's the tallest building? I don't know. It's usually the A bank, bank building, usually. <laughs> yeah, it's usually the bank. Yeah. What if you could take your own retirement account and be the bank? Yeah. Borrower comes to the bank. Who makes the terms? The The bank. (laughs) You get a position to be in, right? Yeah, totally. Bank with your retirement account. I mean, everyone needs capital for something. (laughs) Right, right. Commercial real estate, single family to a startup company, supplies, et cetera. Right. I give all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. I always do a fun exercise when we do one-on-ones. It's, you know, tell me about your hobbies. What's your background? There's a way you can apply self-direction, either personally or business development-wise, to Mm -hmm. what you know. Yeah, there's an ad locally where this couple talks about starting up a business to get your kid off the couch. (laughs) Brings the point, like, yeah, you could start a business, get some cash flow from that, and eventually the cash flow pays you back what your investment was, right? So that's pretty cool. Okay, so if someone has a 401k, they probably can't do what you're describing in their work 401k. They have to roll it over to an IRA. And that's, I think, where you're saying the in-service withdrawal. Yeah, so either it's a rollover and in-service rollover. And it can go into an IRA, or can I use a non-PC term? Sure. A lot of listeners use. Sure. I don't know, it's kind of fatty, but you know, your quote unquote side hustle. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) No, basically if you have rental properties or you're doing flips, you have another side stream of income to be Typically, That's done under an entity. I mean, one can have two 401k plans, maximize their tax benefits. Sure. But yeah, the key is it comes to a self-directed account of some sort so that you can invest in the Mm -hmm. non-traditional assets. Because we have real estate investors mostly joining us, what's the process of, so first of all, how would they get the money to you or how does that work? Let's say they have a regular IRA with a big mutual fund company and they want to be able to do this and they know that that big mutual company doesn't do that. So they would want to get it to you. So what's the process of doing that? What does it look like to buy real estate in your IRA? Like what are the steps that can you use the money for the down payment? Like, how does that work process-wise to buy real estate in an IRA? Sure. So I'll break that down. How do you get in a position to actually do a self-directed investment? Yeah. Which the simple part is you open an account. And that's where that's I do that for you. Now our team does that. Paperwork, application, transfer form, ID statement. Simple paperwork we do over the phone. It's all done via email. So again, going back to that KISS method, keep it simple. Depending on where your funds are coming from, it process takes one to two weeks from initial submission of paperwork to money is in your account and you're ready to do a deal. Okay. That's the super easy part. So you open an account, you decide 
you deposit money into it, so moving it over, and then you pick an investment. That's it. So now, any questions there? I'll yeah, I want to invite people to use the chat box. If, if you do have questions, I'll be monitoring that. So You're better multitasker than I am. Yeah, well, and I don't want you to be distracted from your flow of thoughts, you know. No, yeah. not a problem. I've, okay, so now let's say we identified a property. Now what do we do? Help, Amanda, what do we do? <laughs> yeah. It's the same process, really. The key difference when you're purchasing in your IRA or 401k is the titling. So Athena will use you as an example. If you're going and you're purchasing property in your IRA, you find a property, how do you lock it down? I write an offer. Yeah, you write an offer. And I got to give them money. Yep, and you got to give them money. And that's that. Consideration, contract. Mm. On that contract, you personally are not the buyer. It's oh, okay. IRA. So it'd be specialized trust company custodian, FBO, Athena Paquette, IRA. Okay. Okay. That's the key part. And we help you with this. I don't expect anyone listening to remember all of this. Right. You know, but that titling, it's almost like you're a little bubble that you're using to invest through that goes on the title, the contract, the deed, the insurance, the property management agreement, all of it. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So once you have that accepted, fantastic. Now you get to turn around and boss us around because it's mm. you tell mm. us what to do. You say, mm. hey, specialized. I have property one, two, three Main Street with an accepted contract. I need you to send a thousand dollars earnest money to ABC Title Company. Fantastic. You do that via email. We do as you tell us. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Right. Same process for closing. The title company is going to send everything from closing attorney, depending on your state. They send everything to us and on behalf of the IRA, and that is the closing. So the next day, you wake up, you feel so proud, pounding your thump in your chest. I've done my first self-directed deal. So what do you do? Because you're kind of freaking out. Let's be yeah. honest. Log into your account, and what are you going to see? You're going to see a property mm. and any cash reserves, right? So you always mm -hmm. cash reserves for rentals. Let's fast forward because this is the fun part. We're getting rents. Yeah. Who are, those, who are those rents paid to, right? This is our mailbox. Nope. Right into the IRA. <laughs> oh, the IRA so gets that. Account, three months later, you've got the house and you've got cash stacking month after month after month in the form of rent. Wow. Okay. So very simple. Same thing happens if you have an expense. Remember, you're not commingling any funds. Uh-huh. So a year down the road, it's summertime in the South and that's where your property is and the AC unit goes, you need a new coil or some Freon. <sighs> so, oh my gosh, a property has maintenance. Properties always have maintenance, right? Right. <laughs> we go in knowing that. That's a fact of life. That's a fact. You are guaranteed maintenance. You are guaranteed vacancy, taxes, and insurance. Those are always guarantees with real estate. Mm -hmm. Accordingly, you tell us, hey, I need you to send to ABC contractor or the property management agreement, however you have it set up. You know, send $500 to them and we send it out. Mm -hmm. so, so the managing of it is very easy, but that's just so you touched on a thing, a couple things with your question, mm -hmm. that the creative part, but that is like the clean cut outright purchase of a rental property. What goes right. out comes in, but I know we hold long-term for cash flow, right? You know, rental properties is not a sprint. It's definitely a marathon with passive cash flow. But what if you wanted to get out of your property? What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? You sell it. 
right? Uh-huh. I wasn't looking for anything complicated. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you just sell it off. But the same thing to- is now, so if I'm understanding this right, do you have to pay all the expenses or like some property managers don't want to pay certain expenses, you know what I mean? Like would you then pay the expenses or can I just pay the expenses and get reimbursed? How does that work? So that's a good question. Now, depending on, you would never ever pay it and reimburse yourself. That's never, ever, never, ever, ever. Okay. That's commingling of funds. Okay. Mingling's a no, no. Okay. I keep everything at arm's length. Okay. So now we go to, in this instance, you have a property manager. And your property manager doesn't want to take it out of the gross rents. You have one of two things. You just send your property manager money as needed. Some will require a reserve bank they keep on file for you. So Mm -hmm. $400 or some $1,000. It's really up to you. But the expenses have to, have to, have to be paid for through the retirement account. So another way of saying this, guys, if you have $100,000 in an IRA, you're not going and buying $100,000 property, follow? Right. Same darn rules you do outside the retirement account. Well, some people do spend all their money and then wing it along the way when expenses come up. So some do. that would not be a good strategy with this because you've got to, if the IRA owns it, the IRA has to pay for it, I guess is what you're saying, right? So he, Keith is asking, you just don't put the solo 401k LLC name on the offer. You need the trust listed instead. So I think what he means is the trust company for the benefit of Keith, right? That's how the contract's written. So in this case, good question, Keith. So in this case, Keith has a a little bit of a different structure. It's an added layer we didn't put into this specific. Okay, got it. So in the example I gave you, the IRA owns the property directly. So it were the solo 401k, I'll use Keith's example, Mm -hmm. owns the property directly. But with the structure that you just outlined, Keith, your solo 401k owns an LLC. So you have your solo K and then your solo K LLC, which the funds from here are what you're using inside the solo K LLC to acquire properties one, two, three, four. For example, in that scenario where your solo K owns the entity, Keith, you're absolutely correct. Your 401k LLC would go on the title, the deed, the contract, insurance, property management, all of that. And then the rents would go right back to that LLC. But the same commingling rule applies. You wouldn't go take your business credit card and say, oh, I'm just going to Peter Paul it for this trip to Home Depot for whatever reason. We wouldn't do that. It would have to come from that LLC operating checking account. But good Mm -hmm. question. And his other question was about a debit card. So I guess also if if the business, the LLC has a debit card, that would be okay. But if the IRA owned it, it would not be okay to use an outside. Correct. So the reason why the 401k LLC If you go open up a checking account, business checking account, anywhere, at any bank, what do you need? ID. You need an ID or an EIN. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, an IRA is not a separate business. It's an account. So for those that want, and you hear a bunch of generic terms for this, I got a checkbook IRA or a checkbook. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. 
all that is is when any type of retirement account, whether it's a solo K, Roth IRA, an HSA, owns an LLC as an asset underneath and it's funded through that. Once you have an LLC, what do you have? An EIN. Mm. Then you open a checking account underneath that LLC and it's funded from the solo 401k in Keith's case or HSA or Roth IRA, et cetera. And with a checking account, you will have a debit card for where this is ideal. Like this structure is ideal. It's that have a lot of transactions. Mm. An example would be someone that would be flipping a property mm. you know, and they're paying, they're doing the management of the, all of the subs. So you've got a lot of money coming in, going out, et cetera. So having that check writing capability is paramount just for the smoothness of that investment. Mm-hmm. Whereas a passive rental property or someone that might be being a private money lender mm-hmm. may or may not want to go there. There's pros and cons to both. Someone that has the LLC structure, it's awesome. I definitely want to make sure you know what you're doing as far as the rules. Definitely not for that the person that comes onto the blog and says, Ooh, I found out about this checkbook IRA. Can't I just fund my whole business with my myself right. IRA? And that's prohibited. <laughs> that is definitely a prohibited transaction. It's mm-hmm. self-healing. So you just need to know the rules and have good record keeping. But the solo K LLC or any IRA LLC portion or structure, it's great for that. Mm-hmm. Good question. Definitely a good question, Keith. Yeah. So if you have your IRA, let's say we bought a duplex with the IRA and we did put aside enough like reserves. So that's good. And, but we want to save money on the work. So we decide, you know, we'll go paint the unit when the tenant leaves. We'll just paint it ourselves because, you know, you can save a lot of money doing that. So would that be okay if we don't reimburse ourselves? You know, one would think logically to say yes. Yeah. But actually, it's considered sweat equity. That would be a form of self-dealing. Self-dealing, here's the litmus test. Because okay. this is where all of my creative entrepreneurs like to push the envelope and the one right. conversation could go on till the sunrise. <laughs> so here's always the litmus test. If you are benefiting in any way, shape, or form, it doesn't have to be monetarily, mm-hmm. outside of the retirement account in the here and now versus in retirement when the IRS intends, chances mm-hmm. are you should not be doing that investment with your self-directed account. Okay, so how am I benefiting from painting it myself? I'm saving money, but for the IRA, not for me, right? Because the IRA owns it. Are you just getting in trouble doing that? But would you be increasing the value of the property? Uh, Well, yeah, I got to get it rented. And if it's dinged up, maybe I'm bringing it back to par. But it's increasing it, you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, and that's how it's interpreted. So So can you just tell us what is self-dealing and why is that bad? I thought self-dealing was a great idea. You know, so here are the no-nos. I'll break it down kind of. Yeah, tell us the no-nos. Okay, here's the no-nos. And then go ahead, get creative, let the questions fly. (laughs) Self-dealing. Here's the common ones I hear, Athena. Yeah. Landa, I have a cash cow of a duplex and pick your major city. It's a great one. I would love for that to be tax sheltered. Can I just buy that for myself in my IRA? No, because you're buying it from yourself. You're benefiting outside the retirement account. Oh, I see. This person already owns the duplex and wants to transfer it to, oh, so that's a no-no. Transfer something I already have. Yeah, I could sell it to the, no, you're saying no, because I am the IRA or the IRA is for my benefit. Okay. 
Yeah. So that's not a real sale. Layers of the onion, you're where the buck stops. Uh-huh. Same thing with an LLC. What if I have it in LLC? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would. Because <laughs> if you peel back the layers of the onion, your name's where the buck stops. Another one is I own an LLC or C-Corp, 100%. Can I just lend my own money to myself to do A, B, C, or D? And the answer is no. You can't because you're benefiting outside. So the IRA cannot be the bank for my corporation. For yourself. For myself. Okay, got it. Your IRA or 401k cannot be your own little personal piggy bank. Operating capital or your petty cash for your company. Mm-hmm. Okay. Side note, for since Keith has the, the solo 401k, I just want to make it out. You can also go ahead and 401ks have the ability to do restriction-free. That's one of the only instant gratification tools I have in the retirement account, in the retirement account arena here. I mean, it's really delayed with gratification, but that's one little ninja tip. Rule number two, who you do business with. This is going to be kind of an awkward one. So I'm going to give you guys a visual. Everyone's done the elementary school project of your family tree where you literally had to write it out. Okay. Mm-hmm. So think of anyone above you or below you on your family tree, including your spouse is off limits. You couldn't buy a property from them in their IRA and vice versa, okay? The only two caveats to that are beneficiaries and fiduciaries. So Athena, say I I made you as a beneficiary on my revocable trust or my will, okay? Lend to you my IRA anymore because you're a beneficiary to me. Oh, so even though I'm not related to you, because I think what you were saying is, your IRA can't help anyone who's your parent, grandparent, and so on, or your kids and their kids and so on, right? Correct. Or beneficiary or fiduciary. Okay. Yeah, only those are what are considered disqualified individuals listed publicly you know, IRC 4975 again. But if you branch off your family tree, this is the quirky one. There's uh-huh. aunts, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews. They're okay. You can lend to them in your IRA. They can lend to you, et cetera. Huh. Okay. That's not Oh, problem. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy. So watch. My <laughs> sisters will be calling any moment to try and borrow <laughs> from me and from my IRA. That's like, I always feel awkward, like, explaining that because they're like, well, why? Yeah. That's like, kind of crazy rules, I guess. Yeah. I've asked. I mean, we do certification classes. Like, the alphabet after my name is SDIP. Sounds yeah. Good right but a self-directed industry professional oh Oh, that's interesting I was wondering what those initials meant okay so you said there were two rules I think you you said there were three but you did two rules or was that the third the third the disqualified transactions so So collectibles yeah collectibles artwork that we covered earlier okay got it the main ones that you run into so we have a question here from Brian he said a great discussion by the way he loves the discussion so how should he think about depreciation tax benefits as it pertains to self-directed IRA? Obviously, that's one of the best, most valuable benefits in owning income properties. So how does depreciation work with the self-directed accounts? Great question. Okay. So with depreciation, and appreciate the tax question before I even answer, I'm not a CPA. Um, <laughs> Typically, for someone that's doing rental properties inside their retirement account, they're doing it outside of their retirement account as well. Mm-hmm. 
So inside your, I think where you're going with this, Brian, you're absolutely correct. Inside of a retirement account, it's already a tax sheltered vehicle. So you are not taking depreciation on an annual basis. Okay. Where you recoup that is when you sell a property, there's no capital gains tax applied either. And so you kind of make that up on the exit strategy of the property. But here's a beautiful one. I'm going to take this a step further. So if I lose, no, rental properties give you that great thing of depreciation, right? And we have two tax environments. You have tax deferred, which is, i.e., kicking the tax can down the road with the old school thought of we'll be in a low tax bracket when we retire. But is that the goal of everyone listening? Is that your goal? No. No, it's not for most. (laughs) Okay. So that's where it's broken. Incomes tax environment number two, a Roth IRA, which you pay the tax on the seed and not the crop. Okay. But most of us, you know, strategically, you put money in a tax deferred account because you don't want to pay Uncle Sam more than he's owed. That's how we keep more money in our pocket today. I encourage that. Yes, absolutely. Like that's like part of my mantra. Okay. However, long term, the more you can amass tax free the better off you will be. The tax-free has only been around since 97. So we haven't seen the full magnitude here. Mm. To switch from tax environment to tax-free, what do you think you have to do? You have to pay Uncle Sam. Always get this cut. Mm. You pay the tax on the seed and not the crop. Mm-hmm. You have like 50 grand over here and you want to move it over here to the Roth. Guess what? You're going to get a 1099 for that 50 grand. Because you're pay the tax on the seed and not the crop. However, that 50,000, I have a point to this, will be tax-free forever. Forever. It's always the- That's a long time. Especially for young people. (laughs) You know, that could be 60, 70 years, right? I mean, that's- Absolutely. Powerful. Play with homework. If you have young kids and you're thinking of like Roth, play with a compounding interest or Roth IRA calculator. It's huge. But my point is, when you do that, Brian, you are going to incur tax. What would be a great way to wash that tax for someone that has amassed a rental portfolio, say, outside their IRA? All that lovely depreciation. So you see how they play together hand in hand. That depreciation can help wash out the tax for getting your amassed growth. And it didn't have to be in rental real estate in here. I have many that do notes in here. Mm. similar to real estate, but they do the rental portfolio outside, which is fine, but getting more over to the tax-free side. For someone that, you know, take a mom and pop where that all they've done is the stock market because it's all they were ever told to do. And they Mm -hmm. learned about, hey, I can go in my own backyard and get a rental property that is tangible, insured, produces consistent, predictable income, or I can gamble it in the stock market. Would it make sense for that couple to get a tangible asset with double digit, we'll say double digit, even higher single digit returns, consistent, predictable income that cash flows is insured and also appreciates versus leaving it in the stock market? Mm. You have to weigh the asset class too. Stock market, I'm not going to sit here and bang Wall Street. Kind of, I can Street, do that for you. Right? Yeah, go for it. I mean, <laughs> I, I like to keep it friendly. I work with a lot of financial professionals. Okay. Okay, we'll be nice. I mean, 
and I have non-fee-based advisors. They love it. They have accounts themselves, but they can't refer it to their clients. It's against their rules. Yeah, it's frustrating. It really Mm -hmm. is. The self-directed piece is just, it's a very great vehicle that you can diversify with. Mm -hmm. Rental properties, no wholesaling, partnering together. A lot of our clients very busy professionals, a lot of entrepreneurs, but you know, you're busy professionals that know they want to diversify, but their struggle is time. Mm. They don't have enough time. Just like we're right now, like going on 10 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah. And here we are. I do this because I'm passionate about it. It's yeah. not right, you know, like love it. But for those of you who are listening, it's because you want something better. You want something bigger. You have a vision. You want to live a life that you love. Yeah. You know, to that time. So an easier way to kind of dip your toe in the real estate pool would be to be a private money lender or joint venture with someone. If I'm assuming everyone knows what a joint venture is, but you're kind of the money person and the other one's doing the work, split the profit. I have a question for you on how to finance. People want to buy real estate and it sounds so super great to buy it in the IRA or Maybe even in an HSA, but the pray that's too small, but I, I don't know. So let's say we're buying it in our IRA. We usually will put 20 or 25% down and get a loan for the rest, right? Because then you can own more property. So can the IRA borrow money or is it illegal for an IRA to borrow money or it how does that not, work? Good question. It is not illegal to borrow money. So I'm going to walk you through leveraging. There's three ways to purchase. Outright, we covered. Partnering, I think you guys can figure that out. If, mm-hmm. if you and Athena partner on a deal, you're going to split whatever your partnership is. You're going mm-hmm. to split expenses, profits. Okay, that's easy. And yes, mm-hmm. you have partner accounts. So take that baby HSA with your big mama 401k and uh-huh. partner them together. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's another one. I like HSAs. Side note. They're double dipping accounts. Know what I mean by that? Mm, why don't you take that little side street there? Yeah. So I'm not squirreling on you. I know it's been a long day, but <laughs> <laughs> it is. So the money you put in, you get the write off. Okay. Just right. Like a deferred account, but it grows tax free. So you get to double dip. Yeah. Tax free money forever for qualified medical expenses or what you can qualify the distributions for, which let's face it, we are all going to get old. And as our bodies turn on us, they become more expensive to maintain. It's kind of like an old car. Yeah, I just sink more money into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do it from a tax-free account. I mean, it's inevitable, right? So that is brilliant because you're saying the HSA, we get to deduct it before it's a before tax thing, but then also it's growing tax-free, but the Roth is after tax money and mm-hmm. grows tax-free, right? So that's a huge difference right there. Uh, so you is that the only one that is that way, I guess? Yeah. It wow. Is. It is. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's just a nod to the, we won't touch the medical insurance industry, but right. Go on that own tangent in your mind. <laughs> so going back to your question, leveraging, absolutely you can. Now riddle me this. Do you think the IRS is nice enough to let you go borrow money on a tax sheltered account that you've been saving for years and years and years? and just get the same tax preferential treatment on that money you're borrowing? Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're okay with that. They love us. They want us to succeed. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> I don't have any buttons or sound effects over here. <laughs> but no, that's incorrect. So the leverage portion, when you're doing it in an IRA, 
So Roth IRA traditional SEP is subject to this nasty thing called UBIT. Again, not a CPA, but it's 596.98. Unrelated business income tax. It's like 30% on the leverage portion. Unrelated business income tax. That's the strangest group of words together I've ever heard. Yeah, it's UBIT or UDFI is another acronym, but it's ugly, okay? But leveraging, we know as real estate investors, like there's power in OPM. Yeah, that's it's my favorite letter. letter. Absolutely, you get there quicker, right? If you're using Mm. OPM, it's intelligent leveraging, right? Right. So it's a matter of doing it in the right type of account. So Keith, you're the man here because you got a solo K and a solo K LLC. Solo K, here comes another acronym, QRP, Qualified Retirement Plan. When leveraging a qualified plan, such as the Roth Solo K that I love so much, you will not incur UBIT. Oh, no kidding. Yes. So two things. It cannot be a conventional loan. Can't go get a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac underwritten loan. It has to be non-recourse. That's an IRS rule. That's not a specialized trust rule. But what that means for those of you that are listening that may be a little fuzzy on it, it means it's you're not guaranteeing the debt. It's an asset-based loan. So against the property itself and any equity in it is all they could ever go after if you default or if your IRA or 401k defaults, okay? It doesn't go on your FICO. It doesn't go on your Fannie Mae 10 count. They cannot come after your other assets in your IRA. All right, we all clear on that? I think so. Yeah. But feel free to ask people, put it in the chat box. We'll keep going. Yeah, and if there's questions, we'll, questions we'll, we'll circle back. Kind of put it in the chat box. Yeah. So the other thing I'll touch on, because I'm a numbers girl at heart. I'm a spreadsheet geek. You know, anyone that knows me knows that. Or <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about real estate inside of your retirement account or out, you know, it's cash flow. So what are the terms do you see on non-recourse? And we're not a non-recourse lender. That's not like a feature of a self-directed company at all, but they are out there, you know, mm. or you have a private money lender. Typical terms are not your 20%, 25% down. It's usually more like 35 to 50%. It just depends on the property. The rates I've seen, you know, usually seven to 8%, which if you were to go back five, six years, the norm used to be like 12, 14%. Give you an idea. Yeah. Um, They're way more competitive now. Yeah, it's becoming much more competitive. And self-direction is a big part of that. Is a private lending, peer-to-peer lending has become a huge thing. You know, so the terms are a bit more competitive. Amortizations, I used to see only like maybe 10, 12 years. Now we're seeing like 20, 30, you know, but I share mm-hmm. this. A lot of your listeners here are doing real estate. That's huge because if you have the opportunity to buy, you know, say you have a hundred grand and you can buy one property outright or two leveraged, you know, depending on when you need that cash flow for retirement, what makes more sense? Mm. That cash flow is locked in that account to your 59 and a half. Mm. You know, uh, I'll pick on myself, you know, mid thirties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't take my kids to Disney with this cash flow if I wanted to. It's, oh, <laughs> you're right. I'm not, we're not going to do the family trip on Hawaii. Like we want to, <laughs> right. You know, so I'm taking that net, the strategy is you take that net and you pay off one debt, one loan off at a time, you know, accelerated leveraging strategy. And then you can rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. It's like properties multiples when you do that, or you can do yeah. different sets too. And you know, that's a very, very powerful, powerful 
tool, but I strongly urge when you go into like leveraging, that's the key of the right person, right seat. If you've ever read Gina Wickman's Traction, love that book. But it's the same thing with your financial team. You have to have someone that knows what the heck they're talking about. And mm-hmm. actually, I don't want to say practice is what they preach, but is more of a guru and not a guru. Yeah. And you can read about this stuff, Athena, but unless yep. you've actually done it, you've walked folks through it, you've done it yourself, like you don't know the nuances. You don't know the what if hiccups. The process would be a breakdown. I mean, I can essentially give you a checklist for everything that we're touching on. So it just goes smooth and seamless. And that's, Mm -hmm. we have all that internally. That's why I always say for the transactional piece, for those that are just learning about self-direction, it can be like, my mind, it doesn't have to be. I urge you. It's like the analogy I always use again, back to my momisms. I can explain to you how to ride a bike. You will likely fall. (laughs) I show you, walk you through the steps that's something you remember. It's a process and procedure. Right. That's, that's all it is. I have a question about now RMDs. So people tell me, oh, what am I going to do when I retire? I have all this real estate. The required minimum distributions are like a percentage of the overall portfolio. So how do you deal with RMDs for those who don't know? When you turn 70 and a half, the IR, or April after you turn 70 and a half, you have to start withdrawing and it's a percentage, right? And it's a pretty good chunk. So what's your thoughts on that? Or what would you advise people on on that part with the RMDs? So that's a good question. And I get this from a good job knowing that's in April after you turn seven. Yeah. I had a series seven license for 10 years. So yeah. Ah, Yeah. I did know that. (laughs) So here's, and I'll use the example of say it's a piece of land worth a hundred thousand dollars. And it's not even cash flowing and you have RMD come up, what do you do? And I get the question from CPAs. I get it from advisors. So if you're thinking of this as just an account holder, like you're in good company. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) If you have an asset, you can take a distribution of part of the asset is how you do it. Yeah. So let's say the fair market value, because you do fair market valuation annually, traditional assets. So say it's a hundred thousand dollars, this piece of land. CPA says you need to take out 10 grand this year, satisfy RMD. Fantastic. We're going to retitle that asset so that 90% of it is in your name of your IRA. And then 10% goes to your personal name and you will get that 1099R at the end of the year. Oh, so it doesn't have to be cash cash. Mm-hmm. As long oh. as it's generating because the, the custodian will generate that RMD basically triggers that 1099 to get mm-hmm. Right. So who orders these valuations? Because I just caught that you said you have to do a yearly valuation of your assets in the IRA, I guess. Yeah. For any non-traditional asset in any self-directed account, 401k, et cetera, you should be doing a fair market valuation. And it's for reporting compliance purposes. It's not like you have to go get appraisals on your properties every year if you have run okay. properties or whatnot. Just like a realtor BPO. Okay. Price opinion would suffice. A qualified third party saying, oh, hey, that property you bought for $100,000 last year is worth $100,000 this year or $102,000, whatever it is. So then they know for reporting purposes so that there's no, an example of a red flag valuation, oh, purchase this property for $100,000, didn't see any work going into it, no construction, no nothing, but 
all of a sudden it's worth a million dollars next year. <laughs> that would be great. That, that would be an example of a red flag. Fantastic one. I welcome that in real life, but yeah, <laughs> that would be an example. Because again, okay. as a custodian, I mean, the stock market is regulated by IRS, SEC, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, as a custodian, we are also under the IRS and our, and our state, our state charters. We're audited frequently to make sure that paperwork is correct, concise, reporting, et cetera. So that's just a part of doing business in a tax sheltered environment. Mm. Hmm. That's very interesting. So, and you're reporting this to the IRS, like yearly, you're telling the IRS the value of the assets in each one, or is it just an internal thing that you have to show that you track? Okay. Yeah. 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 For internal compliance purposes. I got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking never get CYA is always an what if mm-hmm. you're even audited? Mm-hmm. You know your paper trail. Same thing with your business and keeping minutes and board meetings and all that jazz. So in someone's IRA, is it possible that they might own real estate, but then also a business and also some gold coins or something like you can have multiple different asset classes mixed all together in this IRA? Absolutely. Okay. Would, would you have an IRA all in one stock? In one company? No, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Diversify your heart out. Mm -hmm. And is there anything that you guys, as the custodian, is there anything that you don't want in the IRA, like that it's not something, like you mentioned, farms and horses in Panama or whatever. Is there any like asset that you guys say, yeah, we don't want to be involved in that? Or, and then I have another. Any one, anything that's like illegal, you know, (laughs) you can't, Mm -hmm. anything that's prohibited. Okay. Um, you can't hold or owned by disqualified individuals. You know, those are the things that, that we look for. You know, again, we're not checking for legality, but if you come and say, you know, we're going to say, Hey, that's a prohibited transaction. We have self-direction. You know, if it's ever questionable, get a, a letter from attorney. But as far as like things that we look for, just that are compliant within rules of the IRS, mm-hmm. I say the crazy ones, because I want to encourage us to get creative. Some of us may have grown up on a farm and now we're doing rental real estate. I have clients, I always say this jokingly, if, if I ever run into them like in person here in Ohio, and I'd be like, you always use this as an example. They breed alpacas in their retirement account. Alpacas yeah. are a little animal and they're pretty freaking lucrative. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I've heard. That's yeah. what I've heard. So the reason I'm asking that is, okay, so now cannabis is very popular. It's legal in a lot of states. People are buying land to grow it. So what's your thoughts on that? The cannabis land production business? Because it's not federally okay. It's not legal yet federally. So what's your take on the cannabis industry in the IRA? Yeah. I mean, I have to err on the side of caution. Mm. I don't think there's been anyone that's been made an example of the court of law, but it would have to be on a federal level. Mm -hmm. Because IRAs and 401ks are not state specific, mm. so they're not governed by state laws. They're governed by federal law. Right. So, so you would go with that. Err. Yeah. I would always err on the side of caution. Now, are there ancillary industries to the cannabis and CBD industries that I'm sure there's IRA, 401k ownership somewhere, shape or form? I'm sure there is. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, it's unchartered territory. And with how we're regulated and just how everything, a letter ruling, an opinion, or someone's been made an example of in the court of law, you know, 
we don't have a standard to go by, but that's a right. Great, I've asked those of attorneys because of course that's who you would consult. And I do get the gray answer, but hey, it would have to roll up to federal. So you don't want to be the one to be the example, right? Because it's costly to go through that system and it's costly to, to be the example. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you do a knowing prohibited transaction, which again, that's gray area, but you're looking at fines, penalties, and disqualification of the tax treatment of your account. Mm. So there could be big penalties. So that's a maybe a great question to kind of end with. So if someone does not follow the rules and they do something prohibited, is just that little amount becoming taxable or does it open your whole entire account up to taxation? So it's a good question. It depends on what your boo-boo is. Oh, okay. Was their intent or not? So there's a couple different types of boo-boos that you can have and it goes under per se, et cetera. And again, I'm not an attorney, but you want to just make sure that you're operating under knowing the rules. And if there's questions, get a legal opinion on it. Mm. I have that when I get those questions or the crazy what if scenario, we can spitball about this all day long. If you want to go forward with it and you feel confident in it, get a legal opinion. Mm. How you, what do we say? CYA all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what you do. But for majority of like the real estate investors and stuff listening here, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not really going to run into that too much. Right. I think the one other thing I'll touch on is, do you have a lot of flippers that you work with? I know we talk about passive cash flow a lot. Yeah. So I only have a few flippers, but I have wholesalers. Okay. You can wholesale in an IRA. Mm-hmm. Beautiful thing to especially beef up younger accounts or accounts mm-hmm. that are starting without having excess cash flow. You know, do a deal a quarter in a Roth IRA. Your average assignment fee is 10 grand. There's 40 grand in a year. Yeah. Actually, you know, as an example, but raising private money or using private lenders, we always say, I joked earlier saying OPM, but another term we use is OPI. And I'm not mm. talking about our nails. <laughs> <laughs> and not I, the nails. Like, what's that mean? Yeah. <laughs> buy, buy your wife a pedicure for Christmas and you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's other people's IRAs. So this is where the peer-to-peer and the networking piece goes. Yeah, especially the holidays. I was just talking with a a younger gentleman and he's done, he's done very well. It's his second year flipping and he's he's got several transactions have been successful. Awesome. I'm like, yeah, kudos. I mean, you know, you're not even 30 and you're killing it. So you're suggesting that a house flipper connect with people with IRAs that could become their bank. Yeah, become their bank. That's awesome. Such a great idea. Absolutely. Especially on the holiday time, you know, mm-hmm. our handshake, it's my names, what I do, we earn X amount returns and people yep. retirement accounts. And my point is you don't have to worry about having this whole in-depth conversation. That's leave yeah. that to the experts. You have someone in your pocket. You've got someone on your team. I'm very forthcoming with my time, my contact info, et cetera. Yeah. I'll put all of that in the show notes for you. So. Okay, great. Yeah. So if someone did want to reach you, because this is also a podcast, so (laughs) if you could talk it out too and not just write it. So how someone reach you if they wanted to ask a question or even just go ahead and start up their venture into this self-directed IRA? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So 
SpecializedTrustCompany.com. That's where you can learn a little bit more about the account types, register for our field guide, put in that you heard about us on the podcast. So we make sure we know that you heard from here. We're always, mm-hmm. you know, always tracking those KPIs. <laughs> but directly for myself, uh, I'll give you my direct dial. It's 505-514-0587. Email aholbrook at irastc.com. Uh, so we make that very, very easy for you. If you shoot me an email, I know Athena, you love, I use time trade. Yeah. I don't get an endorsement for that, by the way, but it, we're all so busy. I give you access to my calendar. We'll, yeah. time, we'll make it efficient, especially with the holidays upcoming. And then now it's like the overlooming financial awareness of <laughs> the new year coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And tax time right around the corner. So and we're there. So also, if you're self-employed, your solo 401k deadline is December 31st, meaning you should get it set up <laughs> probably by December 1st if you want it set up for this calendar year. You don't have to max fund it until your tax filing deadline for your business. Just the account has to be open. The account has to be open. If you're converting to a Roth IRA, it has to be done this calendar year. So those are all, and that follows every year. So it's an evergreen statement. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. I just loved our conversation and and I love the idea that people can partner because a lot of people tell me, well, I can't invest in real estate because all my assets are in my previous jobs, 401k or IRA. Like they don't have a lot of cash, cash and checking, right? So I love the idea that you brought up about partnering a couple of different IRAs together and going in on it. And the idea of the HSA, like I always thought about the self-directed IRA, but not all these different other vehicles that you've brought up. That's just so helpful, I think, to people to know that they can still have that control that they want in those other areas, not just their IRA, right? I mean, that's fascinating. That, yeah, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me, Amanda. I know it's late over there and the time just flew by. <laughs> The whole hour just flew by and there's lots more we could have talked to. Yeah. Talking out your raise, baby. Yeah. (laughs) You're super fun, right? Yeah. And I love how high energy you are. Yeah. You've seen me a million times. I I sit here with my cup of coffee or my glass of wine and I can, you know, you sit next to me on a plane, you know that the conversation is different. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And you do a lot of plane rides in your job, so. I'm sure you've enlightened lots of people. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us at Cashflow Academy. This has been so great, and I really appreciate you so much. And everybody, get in touch with her and and get your IRAs going so you can buy property. All right. Thanks. Have a great night. Tune in. Okay. Good night, everybody. This has been another episode of My Cashflow Academy's Investor's Corner with your host, Athena Paquette Cornier. We wish you all the success you deserve as you use what you've learned here out in the real world. Check out the blog post for this episode, along with many more helpful resources at mycashflowacademy.com.